So if we look at data over time, while African citizens really prefer systems of democratic governance, they are also questioning the validity of elections as they are conducted in their different environments. Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. I am a veteran international affairs journalist and the editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. 2024 is an important year for African democracy. At least 19 national elections are scheduled to take place this year, To be sure, not all of these elections will be free or fair, let alone competitive. Some of these elections will serve to ensconce leaders for life, like Rwanda's Paul Kagame. Others may serve to consolidate power following a coup. But genuine multi-party democracies like Ghana and South Africa are also headed to the polls in important milestone elections. Joining me to discuss key trends in African democracy and some of the highlights on the African electoral calendar in 2024 is Oge Anubogu, director of the Africa program at the Woodrow Wilson Center. We kick off discussing Senegal, a once reliably stable democracy that has experienced significant backsliding and recently canceled upcoming elections. We then have a broader conversation about key trends in democracy throughout the continent. And a quick announcement before we begin, I wanted to plug again another podcast I think you'd enjoy. Disorder is a weekly podcast from Goalhanger Podcasts, the UK's number one independent podcasting company and the makers of The Rest is Politics and The Rest is History. The Disorder Show, which is co-hosted by Middle East expert Jason Pack, and former British ambassador Alex Hall Hall tries to make sense of our mad, mad world. In recent episodes, they've heard the moving story of Evgenia Karamurza, democracy advocate and wife of Russia political opposition leader Vladimir Karamurza. They've spoken to Sir Jeffrey Adams, former British ambassador to Iran, about his time there. And in next week's episode, they talk to Miles Taylor, author of the famous anonymous New York Times op-ed, I Am Part of the Resistance Inside the Trump Administration, about the next threat facing democracy, artificial intelligence. You can find The Disorder Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Now here is my conversation with Oge Onubogu, director of the Africa program at the Woodrow Wilson Center. 
So I wanted to kick off discussing Senegal, which was supposed to be one of Africa's key elections this year. But President Macky Sall, in a constitutionally dubious move, postponed the election, which was supposed to take place later this month. Now, Senegal had a reputation as a bastion of democracy. It's had peaceful transfers of power. There's never been a coup. But now all of this is happening. So does Senegal's apparent democratic backsliding carry significance to you beyond Senegal? We're seeing democracy, governance, good governance in distress in West Africa. And seeing these actions that has taken place in Senegal, yes, Senegal has traditionally been one of the most stable countries in the region. It raises questions. So even when we say things like, you know, this country is a bastion of democracy or beacon of democracy, it raises questions about how we identify certain countries and make them sort of exceptional on certain things. Because even leading up to this vote or the vote that was supposed to happen on February 25th, we already saw signs. We saw the protest on the streets when there was a concern that Macky Sall was planning to run for a third term in office. We saw, you know, a crackdown on the opposition. We saw some infringement on the freedoms of some citizens. So there were some telling signs there that things were not right. And I think this brings to the fore for us, for those who follow the region and work on governance or democracy strengthening programs, that it's important for us to pay attention to the signs and think about how we act on them early enough. I think where we see with the action that has happened in Senegal, with the postponement of the elections, I think it also presents an opportunity to really interrogate the role of ECOWAS. Because some would say, you know, ECOWAS's response to Macky Sall's action in Senegal is not as consistent as the action that they took towards the military junta in Niger or the other military actors too as well. So it brings to the forefront discussions about the legitimacy of ECOWAS. So this is a time for reflection, a time for us to look inward for those who are external, external partners that work with ECOWAS in the region or work with other countries in the region to really examine how we partner with countries. And I should just note that in a couple of weeks, I have an episode planned specifically on ECOWAS and the announced exit of ECOWAS by three countries in the region and the implications of that. So listeners, stay tuned. But I'm really fascinated by you identifying deficiencies in governance as almost being like an early warning system that could have indicated to us that a country that is often labeled by we in the West as a quote unquote stable democracy is less so than that. So using that kind of heuristic or rubric, like are there other countries in the region that ostensibly we bestow like the title of stable democracy, like say Ghana, which also has an election later this year. But indeed, if you probe the surface, there are real big governance challenges that might undermine that label. So across the continent this year, we are going to see at least 19 elections will happen. 19 elections that are scheduled to happen. Not all of them might move forward. An important caveat. Exactly. Mali or Burkina Faso, even though they're scheduled to happen, they may not necessarily happen. But in all of these countries, we're unlikely to see, and at least half of these countries, we're unlikely to see competitive 
elections. You know, we had Comoros that just had elections in January too as well. They're unlikely to be competitive because in at least half of them, you see electoral management processes that are not necessarily transparent, that are often controlled by the incumbents. So it really raises a question now about what truly qualifies as a real election on the continent. So if we look at data over time, while African citizens really prefer systems of democratic governance, they are also questioning the validity of elections as they are conducted in their different environments. And once you have the legitimacy of an electoral process being called into question, then you begin to question the authenticity of it. So at the end of the day, you know, one thing that we see across all these countries that have elections scheduled that may not happen or, or happen, but one thing that we see consistently is that there's a common sort of yearning by citizens to see change, to have their voices heard, to be part of the process. And I think it's important that you actually see citizens wanting to be part of the process by engaging in the elections, in the electoral process. You mentioned Ghana and the fact that in West Africa, in discussions, people often point to Ghana as an example of a stable democracy or example that should be emulated by other countries in the region. But if we look at trends over time of Ghana's elections, if we look at the previous elections, we could see telling signs there too as well. Ghana will be conducting these elections in December of this year, where we are seeing the economic environment is strained. And we have seen a couple of protests that have been run by young people, some like the Fix the Nation protest. We've seen these protests that have happened over time. So these elections will be taking place in an environment of deep economic distress and citizen unsatisfaction with how things have been run in their country over time. Apart from that, it's also going to be highly contested. These will be, a, it will be a tight race. I think over time with elections in Ghana, we've been able to see sort of a smooth transition from one party to another. But going into these elections and considering the fact that we're actually looking at a parliament this time that is almost evenly split, it could go either way. So it's definitely one for us to keep our eyes on. Ghana's election commission, compared to several others in the West African region, has been one that has a reputation of being professional, has been one that folks have often pointed to as a positive example. So ensuring the independence of this institution moving into these elections this year will be key. But it's important for us to Keep in mind that coming from the previous elections, it was a tight race. We see a pretty close parliament. We see elections that will be conducted within an environment where there is economic stress and just growing citizen discontent with public service delivery. So these are telling signs for us to keep in mind and hopefully will help inform the type of programming or engagement that we conduct leading up to these elections in December.
So we can't go through every single one of these elections or scheduled elections, but there are a few that I wanted to highlight. Ghana was one of them, so I'm glad that you mentioned that we discussed that. Another is South Africa, where it seems for the first time since the end of apartheid, the ANC is really facing a serious challenge. Can you broadly describe some of the political dynamics headed into elections this year, which I don't think they've been scheduled yet at a time of recording, but pretty soon they will be scheduled. So by the time this is published, the date will have been announced maybe. But in general, can you just discuss, describe some of the key dynamics you're watching in South Africa this year? For South Africa, I think since 1994, I think every election since then, since the post-apartheid era, we've seen ANC. ANC has literally dominated the vote. But these elections are happening at a time, so I think in the time frame, probably between May or August, so keeping our eyes on that, between May or August, we might see these elections happen. So these elections uh, will be taking place at a time where perhaps for the first time we're seeing ANC's dominance at the polls will be questioned because just the growing citizen discontent, obviously you can see that there, there seems to be a theme across the board when it comes to elections on the continent this year, where you have growing citizen discontent, especially when it comes to service delivery in the case of South Africa, we have seen ANC's popularity is declining. And most of that decline is attributed to just growing citizen discontent with poor service delivery. Load sharing power cuts are pretty rampant. It is not what South Africans are used to. We've seen corruption and a concern from citizens as if the government seems detached from the everyday realities and struggles that the people are feeling. Unemployment rates are high across the country and in many of the country's rural areas or township areas, you find people struggling. So these elections will be happening at a time when people are questioning, South African citizens are questioning ANC's popularity. So this will be a pretty tight race for the ANC because it will have to work to withhold its reputation. We've seen liberation parties dominate across Southern Africa, but it will really have to uphold its reputation. Even within the ANC itself, we see fractures within the ANC with members of the ANC or former members of the ANC who are either starting their own political parties or endorsing new political parties. Yeah, I saw former President Jacob Zuma, for example, endorsed a rival to Ramaphosa, who's the current president ANC standard bearer. Yes, that's a challenge that they will have to face. You know, apart from Jacob Zuma endorsing a new political party, we also see the former ANC secretary general who was expelled from the party also creating his own political party. Then again, you also have firebrand politician Julius from the Economic Freedom Fighters Party too as well, who was a former youth leader within the ANC. So not only will the ANC have to contend with its declining popularity amongst the citizens in South Africa, it also has to contend with the fractioning that we're seeing within the political party itself and perhaps may also be thinking about what types of alliances it would go into for these elections. On the opposition side, the DA 
when it comes to polling on, on governance seems to be polling high, but the DA still needs to do a lot of work. It's still seen as a predominantly white political party. So it still needs to do a lot to make itself appealing to the majority black population in South Africa. So definitely these elections are one to watch. It will be a tight battle for the ANC this year. So one unfortunately recurring issue with elections in Africa can be election-related violence. Are there any particular countries or scheduled elections that you are of concern that may indeed spark violence? I wouldn't necessarily point out one country because if we look at the trends, you have citizen discontent, you have a widening gap between government and citizens. You have environments where the independence of election commissions might be called into question. You have situations where presidents or incumbents may tend to take unilateral decisions. Any one of these scenarios could play out in any one of these countries that we have elections scheduled in. So while, you know, we don't want to get to a position where we say, oh, we anticipate violence in country X or we anticipate violence in country Y. I think the trends are showing us that anything is possible in any one of these environments. So we need to figure out how we engage and engage quickly and engage proactively. Because when I think about the countries that have elections scheduled this year, it's a mix. So from Chad to Guinea-Bissau, to Guinea, to Mauritania, Rwanda, South Sudan. So it's it's really a mixed bag. So it's important to watch the trends and sort of try to figure out how to prevent what could likely happen if actions that may not necessarily be responsive to the needs of citizens take place or to prevent actions that could instigate violence. I think that's why, for me, I would be wary to point out one country or another to say, oh, I anticipate violence, you're I anticipate violence in another environment, because it's important for us to watch the trends in each environment. So one sort of trend in democracy and governance we've seen in Africa over the last couple of years is just a number of coups. There has been just an epidemic of coups across Africa, and there's like even like a belt of coups in the Sahel at, at this point. What can be done to reverse that trend? I think one of the things that we need to ask in terms of what could be done to reverse those trends is really asking ourselves the question of why are these coups happening in the first place? To some extent, we see polls, some polls that basically show some popularity amongst where young people find are favorable to military rule. And so we need to ask ourselves, why is this happening? Is it because young people enjoy living under dictatorships? No. But I think for so long, we've continued to see a widening gap between governments and people. And in some cases, these governments are supposed to be democratically elected governments. So if citizens are saying, well, we live in a country that is supposed to be a democracy, but we do not see the dividends of democracy. 
we do not see public service delivery. We do not see proper education or health care. We do not see democracy delivering. Then maybe it's time to move to something different. And that something different for them is not necessarily military regime. So when we see young people on the streets rejoicing or celebrating that there's been a military takeover, it's not because they want the military there, but for so many of them, they're seeing it as an opportunity to transition better to something else, something different. Now, this is where the challenge comes in because history has shown us time and time again that very often when the military takes over, it takes a while for them to leave. Sometimes they never leave. So this is where the sticky point is and where we have to be able to reevaluate our tools and the resources and things that we've worked with before and begin to ask ourselves the question, if these things are becoming pretty popular in the region, what are we missing? What are we missing? I think it's a critical question that we need to be able to ask ourselves Honestly, democracy is in crisis, not only on the African continent, but across the globe. So we need to be able to ask ourselves, why are these things happening? Very often when a coup takes place, or even before a coup takes place, these things are often predictable. We already see the trends. We know that these things are about to happen. In the case of Senegal, as we had discussed earlier, leading up to the vote that was supposed to happen, I believe it was February 25th, we already saw telling signs with a lot of the protest, with the crackdown on the opposition, that we're already telling signs. Same thing in the case of Niger before the coup happened. Same thing in the case of Mali, same in Burkina Faso. In Guinea, we actually saw the president there amend the constitution. That in itself was a telling sign. Same thing in Gabon. So before these coups take place, they are predictable. And because these things are predictable, they are able to be prevented. We should be able to take steps to prevent these things. When you see growing citizen dissatisfaction with the status quo, rather than just maintaining and working with the status quo as it is, Try to figure out how we engage differently to ensure that it's not just business as usual because it is not working for the citizens. How do we engage very early on to ensure that we are able to prevent these coups from taking place? Because once they take place, once these coups happen, getting out of them or transitioning, the political transition process can take a while. As we've seen in the case of Mali, where we're supposed to have elections early February, that didn't happen. Same we're going to see this year as well in the case of Burkina Faso as well. We had elections that scheduled, I believe it was in June or July, sometime over the summer. We know for sure that's not going to happen, has been postponed. The one outlier here in this case is Guinea. And I think it's kind of interesting here that of the three countries, the three countries that have sort of applied or said they want to exit ECOWAS of the three countries, Guinea, which is also led by a military junta, has chosen to stay out of that alliance. So perhaps there is an opportunity where we could possibly figure out how we could work with to see Guinea transition back 
onto a more civilian path, into a more democratic path. So there is an opportunity there to think through what the political transition in Guinea could look like. We discussed upcoming elections in South Africa and Ghana and what's happening in Senegal. Across the continent, are there any other elections or scheduled elections that you're looking towards, particularly ones that might fly under the radar of those of us in the West? Any that you're watching that you think are worthy of discussing in our final moments? Botswana is another important one too as well that often flies under the radar because Botswana, just like Ghana, is one of those countries that has been regarded as being very stable economic-wise, has also you know, gotten that term of being a bastion of democracy, beacon of democracy. I believe in the case of Botswana, those elections are pretty close. So Botswana is definitely one to keep an eye on as we look at Southern Africa. Then there's also Namibia as well. As you know, just a few days ago, we lost the president of Namibia. And so the elections in Namibia will be happening this year. So it's it's going to be quite an eventful period in Southern Africa in terms of elections this year between Mozambique, Namibia, South Africa, Botswana. And in the case of West Africa, we've already mentioned Ghana, which is definitely one for us to keep our eyes on with the events as we've seen that have just played out in Senegal, still playing out in Senegal. And I believe the new proposed date for the elections in Senegal, I believe it was supposed to be sometime in December. I think the Ghanaian elections will also be happening in December as well. So I think it's worth keeping our eyes on those. While there are all these elections that are happening this year, it's like I always want to remind folks that, look, we also had a major election year on the continent last year. Yeah, Nigeria in particular. Nigeria in particular last year, you know, and then we also saw Sierra Leone and we saw Liberia. So there were some major elections that happened on the continent last year, major elections happening this year, and there'll be some elections happening next year. Cote d'Ivoire is one of those that will be happening in 2025. I've heard people say, you know, the world is voting in 2024. And I have to remind people, Africans have been voting since <laughs> since 2023. And so it will be important to actually also figure out how the elections that are taking place in other parts of the world how those play out on the African continent, because the whole idea of democracy being in distress or democracy being on the decline is not only playing out on the continent. This is a worldwide problem, even here in the United States. So it will be important to actually figure out how these elections that happen in other parts of the world, including in the United States, how those play out on the continent. Okay, thank you so much for your time. This was really helpful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Global Dispatches. The show is produced by me, Mark Leon Goldberg. It is edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to follow the show and enable automatic downloads to get new episodes as soon as they're released. On Spotify, tap the bell icon to get a notification when we publish new episodes. 
And of course, please visit globaldispatches.org to get on our free mailing list, get in touch with me, and access our full archive. Thank you.